0: Canto 16 of the Paradise is directly related to Canto 15 which precedes it and Canto 17 which follows from it. We're right in the middle of the Paradise now and much as had been the case in the middle of the Inferno and the Purgatory, Dante is absolutely in the nitty-gritty of working something out for himself. His transformation is at full throttle in these cantos and it's very fascinating that canto 16 can seem in extraordinary contrast to canto 15 which had ended with this celebration of Dante's great-great-grandfather Caccia Guida because it now moves on to a rehearsal of all that has gone so terribly wrong in Florence The bulk of Canto 16 reads like a roll call of Florentine families tracking how the great city had fallen in the generations between Caccia Guida and Dante. But this is happening in paradise. Somehow this is good news for Dante. And I think that that is at the heart of what Dante is being invited to see now. To cut to the chase, it's how everything that we possess, everything that we possess in earthly life is subject to death, is subject to time's scissors. That's not just our material possessions, but also everything that we feel we've inherited by way of our personality, our culture, our spirit. All of that on earth is subject to death. But here in the heaven of Mars Dante can see how that loss that giving up of life actually opens onto a much bigger wider life eternal life that is very much in the spirit of sacrifice which the domain of Mars enables one to see and it's giving Dante now an extended reflection on that process so that he can really take it in and so learn how when this is seen sub specie eternitatis from the perspective of eternity this does indeed become a blessing and how that can happen is going to be the subject of canto 17 but canto 16 begins with dante celebrating and delighting in the spiritual nobility that Catra has just shown him. And that spiritual nobility is in marked contrast to the mere social status um, that the other meaning of the word noble can carry. This word noble, in a way, is a pivotal word for these cantos, because it can mean something that speaks of inner life, um, which in that case is... Knowing the virtues, knowing these qualities of existence, um, but also they can become qualities of our own personality that enable us to share in the divine life. The qualities of courage and wisdom, of temperance, justice, faith, hope, love and others and so on um, that enable us to resonate with divine reality. And so show and channel that divine reality insofar as we're able. That's the inner meaning of nobility. But in Dante's time, as indeed in our time, um, it becomes corrupted and just associated with social status. You know, being a noble person, a noble man or a noble woman, um, something that is mechanically given to you by birth or um, by favour, and of course is readily abused um, in the world. That kind of abuse is what's going to become to the fore in Canto 16 now. But the Canto begins with Dante celebrating the true and spiritual sense of nobility. And he does so in an interesting way. He, say, he, he, he remarks that he calls Cacio Aguida by the formal you, Um, The formal voix, which has a correspondence, I guess, in English with the word thou. Um, It communicates reverence but also an awareness of the qualities of the person that was stood before. Um, It's not used much now, if at all, and in fact, Dante remarks that um, the medieval Italian equivalent voix is not used much even in his time, um, with the implication that what's been lost with stopping using the word, is actually the capacity to see and to respect, to want to celebrate the inner nobility, perhaps because it's been eclipsed by the mundane social status kind of nobility. Beatrice smiles warmly when Dante addresses Caccia Grida in that way, and the commentators debate quite extensively the meaning of Beatrice's smile, Um, Dante the poet remarks that it reminded him of her who coughed when she recognised Guinevere's love for Lancelot. This was a lady-in-waiting who coughed when she saw Guinevere's heart and glance um, leap towards Lancelot in the medieval tale. Um, I think what this is only saying is that Um, Dante's used, actually, the formal vow um, towards Beatrice a few times in the paradise, recognising her inner nobility. And now that he's using it towards Caccia Guida, I think she's delighted to see that the affection which Dante had shown for her is now growing and that he can feel a similar heart connection to Caccia Guida. This is the kind of love that can carry you higher unlike the love which Dante had been wrestling with earlier on his journey, the love that feels like it must be possessive, it must be envious, it must hold on to what it has. It's precisely that wider letting go that Dante is experiencing now, not least in Beatrice's smile. And in fact, he says to Gaccia Guida, your words have filled me with everlasting waters. Um, He's connected to this source both that's personal to him and is part of the wider creativity of the cosmos as a whole. And he can feel how it just keeps on giving, how it's always freshly welling up within him. So he says, I've become more than I am. This is such a crucial and beautiful expression for the sphere of Mars, because he is Dante, he is who he is. And yet he's realising that That's precisely what enables him to tap into so much more than just who he is, but be an expression, a manifestation of that greater spirit, of that divine love and life. But in order to know that all the more, so it can really become part of him, Dante must return to this theme that he has pursued in several ways throughout the Divine Comedy, which is how to relate to the history of Florence that is so undone in his times, that's so ruined, so vicious and so violent. You remember that he had done it one way in the Inferno, when he had cursed Florentines, when he told them that there were more Florentines in hell, so far as he could see, than there were any other kind of person. Um, Then in the Purgatory his relationship to his immediate past had shifted again when he lamented the terrible things that were happening in Florence and the Italy of his day. He'd wept and cried out for the loss of all that had been so good. And now here in paradise comes a third way of relating to that history and I think you can think of it as a kind of apocalypse. I don't mean a kind of outer apocalypse, where the clouds open, the heavens descend, there's terrible floods um, and ruin of the world around us. Um, Again, that is a kind of misreading, I think, of the true apocalypse, which actually is an inner unveiling, apocalypse meaning just an unveiling of the truth, where you can see things as they are, in a way quite Calmly, quite coolly. Having worked through all the difficult emotions, you're able to stand in a place that is as if from eternity. Sometimes it's called the meta position. Um, It can look on, it can assess, it can judge, but not so as to condemn. Um, It can name, but not so as to subjugate individuals who are named. Um, It's the place. From which life is able then to move on, not denying anything but incorporating all that has happened in order that it doesn't hold you back any longer um, but becomes part of the complete story of who you are and ultimately the complete story of this great experiment called the divine creation. It's the gifts that the river Lethe gave him at the top of Mount Purgatory in Eden when it returned. His memory of who he was, but without the burden of the trauma of that memory, and what Dante also adds to that here in Canto sixteen is a culture wide, a certainly city wide, even a civiliz- civilizational wide take on that different kind of memory, and I think this can be related to um, other spiritual writers who have contemplated in great depth the meaning of human city building, human culture building, human civilizational building, and how it always moves from phases of origination, when it's closely in touch with its wellsprings and source, to to phases of extension and ultimately phases of decline. Um, because what gets lost touch with as cities and civilisations expand is their origins. Instead, people become more and more inclined to trust their own power, their own technology, their own control, their own deluded sense of self-sufficiency. Um, Plato, I think, had remarked on this in The Republic, when Socrates and his interlocutors are contemplating what it might be to build a city, and they make several attempts in their minds to do so, and always realize that a point is reached where the civilization starts to fail, where the citizen the the city or the republic starts to fail. and Plato remarks that it's never possible to build a perfect place on earth, to build a utopia. But what Socrates realizes is that the attempt to build such things on earth even though they fail, can ready the soul for the eternal city, for heaven, and that's its value. It's very much in letting things go that the value of what is attempted here on earth is found because this is not our final resting place. This is the mortal realm and our destination is elsewhere, and the task here on earth is to become more and more capable of that other place. I think um, William Blake knew as much. Blake in his epic poems has the character of Loss who is the embodiment of human creativity and imagination and Loss spends his time in his fiery furnaces attempting to build Golganuza which is a kind of restive city on earth attempting to bring all that's good into manifest appearance and yet that too ultimately fails and when loss um, catches a glimpse of Eden eternity in Blake's words um, he lets go of all his earthly attempts and in fact changes his name to Orthona, signaling that he has now taken on his true form um, the divine imagination the divine creativity um, This is explaining how death and even suffering can fit within the wider picture, because when accepted, when let go, when approached in this spirit as exemplified in the realm of Mars, it becomes a gateway to more. That's the proper way to understand it. And so in Canto 16, Caccia Guida embarks on a great litany. It's a huge list of Florentine families describing incidents of murder, describing how the nobility became corrupted, um, describing how scheming from popes, um, scheming with failed kings, um, how terrible things happened to many many people, including Dante. Um, This is how your earthly joy was lost Caccia Guida explains to Dante, and yet here in heaven, this is good news. Caccia Guida explains it with a smile, Um, the glow of Mars never lessens throughout this otherwise terrible tale. And it's trying to hear these things within this bigger context um, that Dante himself is able to transcend what has happened to him in life and become more and more aligned with the eternal perspective. I think he does indeed see that he is more than he is as a merely historical player in a series of terrible earthly events. It is by leaning into these things, by saying yes to them, by living them to the full, not trying to deny or short-circuit or circumvent them, that human beings learn that there's more, life than the immediate life of what hits them, that their roots and their source is actually in another domain entirely, where love, where intelligence, where wisdom, where virtue, where nobility rules. To put it another way, I think that this sphere of Mars is teaching Dante what in Eastern traditions is often called the art of detachment. It's the ability to fully embrace life, to fully embrace its highs and its lows, but constantly to develop the capacity of being aware that those fluctuations for good and for ill are precisely that. And that underneath, to flip back to the biblical image, are the everlasting arms. It's a viewpoint that, when just stated, can cause real offence. Um, you know Dante has cursed the Florentine souls and it can also seem harsh you know Dante has lamented what happened to him but when it's known experientially when this meta position is glimpsed at least if not wholly gained the truth of it comes through that there's something more than the vicissitudes of life there's something more even than terrible suffering and Dante is beginning to glimpse that now in the spirit of Mars, which is about being in this flow of receiving whatever life gives you, but also handing it on, not clinging to it. That is the gateway to a wider life, which he is, I think, experiencing now in Canto 16 as Cacciaguida Guida rehearses His litany of Florentine history, which at the very least is a terrible tragedy, but can be heard and experienced in a different way when a brighter light and a deeper life is felt coming through it precisely because it has been so profoundly struggled with.